Good morning all. How are you? You guys well? Alive? More alive? Less alive? Mostly alive? Wonderful. Well, I wonder if you can turn in your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 18. Is that too loud? All right. Well, if it's a problem, just plug that one ear and open the side. So... I wonder if you could go to Matthew chapter 18. The subject I want to talk to you about um, is, yeah, Tommy, could you guys have to turn it down, please? Um, is forgiveness. This subject will, oh, my dear little one. Sorry, that's okay, I hear her coughing. This subject will turn your life inside out and upside down if you let it, both good and bad. Forgiveness and unforgiveness, extremely powerful, extremely important, extremely misunderstood. And um, so I want to talk about it. I'm going to take my time. And uh, I was meant to talk about uh, something else about the kingdom view. I never got to finish that series. As you know, some of you know, I got sick, but I'm better now. And uh, we have a team. Thank goodness for team, right? And so thanks to Dwayne and my dad for covering for me in that season. But... um, by the grace of God, many years ago, I, he started to reveal something about forgiveness, the truth of forgiveness and unforgiveness to me, and it really, it's, he just opened it in my heart. And um, it's, I would say, probably one of the things that in my personal life, doesn't mean I'm the best at explaining it or preaching about it, but I know for me, it's brought more freedom to me than, than anything else. And it's something that has kept me free, genuinely free, free from people, free from myself. And uh, so I want to try and speak to you about it over the next couple of weeks. I'm going to go slowly. I'm going to probably be repetitive. And uh, that's okay. I'm trying to approach a subject as if people have no idea, even though most believers think, oh, forgiveness, we all understand forgiveness. It is extremely powerful, extremely powerful. The gospel itself begins with forgiveness. The devil, I believe, is greatly afraid of a group of people or even one person who can begin to understand the power of forgiveness to us and then from you. It's a weapon. Unforgiveness is a weapon of the enemy that he wields over God's people and it causes untold destruction in the heavenly realms that we can't understand or see. It's extremely, extremely powerful. There are even chemicals. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get to this maybe in the next few weeks at some point, but there are even chemicals that your body releases that they've proved scientifically when you forgive and when you choose not to forgive. And it affects your hormones. It affects your brain chemistry. It affects even what goes down to your children. It's unreal. God knew this way back there. We're catching up. So... Can we stand if that's okay? Sorry, I know you just sat down and got comfortable. But I want to ask us if we could partner together, not because, I'm, not because I'm preaching. It's not about the preacher. It's about God's word. It is always about God's word. And I wonder if we could just ask the Lord to open our hearts for us to receive this into our heart, but also corporately as a church. Can we do that? Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I ask it the spirit of wisdom and revelation would come upon your people. And the extravagant forgiveness that we have received from you becomes available to us in our understanding and that we become known, Lord, as people who forgive easily in a world that is torn by offense and discord. Let us shine as a light again and show the truth. Lord, we love you. And Holy Spirit, we ask for revelation. And God's people said, amen. Amen. I have a very, very large bottle of water here. So I'm going to drink from it. And my wife is watching from home. So, hi, babe. How are you? So, this truth, if seen in the light, that it, it, in the right light, will overcome any darkness and break down any obstacle in any nation, in any family. There is nothing that can stop it. There truly is not. The Bible says that we are the salt of the earth. And I I wish I could teach on that now. I'm trying not to because I love to teach on that. What does it actually mean? 
But there are, there are many things that the Bible lists almost as evidences of us that we've been with Jesus Christ, that we've been close to him, that we know him. Salt is one of them. You are the salt of the earth. Another one is light. You are the light of the world. Jesus said he was the light of the world, but then he said, you are the light of the world. And he said in Matthew 5, let your light so shine before men that when they see your good works, they will give praise and glorify your Father who is in heaven. In 1 Peter, I think it's 3 verse 15, it talks about hope in the context of being under persecution and suffering for the sake of righteousness. And he says, always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. In other words, why am I not freaking out like everybody else? Why am I seemingly at peace and calm? It's like an iceberg, and this is for me the undercurrent of grace, the undercurrent of forgiveness, is like they couldn't understand back when before they knew how big icebergs were, and most of you have heard this, how could an iceberg penetrate gale force winds and move steadily into a wind? seemingly unaffected, because two-thirds of it is underneath. And there's much stronger currents to, than about all the stuff that's going on above the, above the ocean floor, and above the ocean surface. And that's what this will do in a person's heart. How can they move steadily into a wind seemingly unaffected? And it's this truth of forgiveness. Love is another one. Jesus said in John 13, by this, all people will know that you, in a sense, belong to me. That you are my disciples. How? By the love that you have one for another. So there are these evidences, these things that when people look at you, when people look at us, that people can say, that person has been with Jesus Christ. Because there's something different that is flowing out of them that I don't see over here. These are extremely powerful things. I personally believe, depending on the situation, most of the time more powerful than signs and wonders. Because they go right into the heart. When I got saved, I had someone, I went into a church, <clears throat> I was like a bad guy, like a thug, you know. Got saved, went into a large church that was actually attached to the school, which I got expelled from twice. So that's interesting. And, um, and someone told a lie on me. A pretty horrible lie. It was just untrue. But this truth started to get a, get a hold of my heart. Now, I would have people cut me off. They wouldn't talk to me. I lost friends, all this kind of stuff for months and months, actually almost a year. And the Lord said to me, tell nobody. Say nothing. And I said, man, you know, that sucks. <laughs> you know? And you're trying to, in a sense, turn your life around. And the Lord led me to Psalm 17. None of this is in my notes, but it's just what the Holy Spirit is putting on my heart right now. The Lord led me to Psalm 17, and it says this. It says, let my vindication come from your presence. And something birthed in my heart that every single time I would hear something say about me, or I would hear a lie, or hear this thing, I would literally go into, the pres in, into some place private, even if it was in the bathroom, and I would wait until I was in the presence of the Lord, and I would speak it to him, nobody else. And it was in that season that I learned what he's like, what his presence is like. <laughs> it's extremely powerful. Yet, these evidences, salt, light, hope, love, there's many, that's just a few, will not, and I, I need you to hear me, will not be a part of your experience unless you understand forgiveness. They will not. They will not. So, there are many facets and aspects to forgiveness. I'm actually going to take the little one. It's easier. Now, we're going to, as I said, I'm going to go slow, on purpose. As soon as you talk about forgiveness, all sorts of stuff comes up in people's hearts. I saw this many years ago with young people break through barriers and hearts that nothing else could. There are many aspects and facets. Forgiveness between God and man, most important. Forgiveness between man and man, or mankind, person to person. Oh, that's a big deal. There are spiritual realities, 
things that happen in the unseen realm when you forgive or when you don't forgive. There are spiritual realities to forgiveness and unforgiveness. And that's what the Lord began to peel back, in a sense, to me and reveal to me. And it actually has a direct correlation, direct correlation to the ability for you to partner with the Lord. It really does. There's forgiveness in the house of God. You know the Bible speaks of something like corporate, like a, corporate, a local church, corporate forgiveness. There's such a thing in the Bible. There's forgiveness towards authority figures. Parents, leaders, that's difficult because they, they carry authority. There's forgiveness for me, the hardest, forgiveness to yourself. Hello. I've had probably more to forgive myself for than many people in this room. <laughs> but he is forgiving. When you've caused people to become addicts, then you get saved and they don't. You find their parents and apologize. You have to forgive yourself. The Bible speaks and says to forgive as Christ forgave. How do we even begin to do that? Well, it's true and it's possible. And we're going to cover that, not today. There's practical forgiveness. How and why how do I and why should I forgive someone if I know they're going to do it again? I get asked that a lot. I know they're going to do it again. How does that work? There's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Big difference. You never reconcile the child to the abuser, but for the sake of the child, you teach him to forgive the abuser. What's the link between forgiveness and repentance? And how do leaders in God's house, will say, or in a, in a house, in an actual home, that are called to deal with things that can come into the body of Christ and cause infection to spread, they have to deal with that. Often that person gets hurt and offended, they, even if they try their best, but should they just stand back and Bible says, don't let wolves come in, don't let these things come in. So how do you do that without perpetuating unforgiveness? Oh, difficult. Anyone has ever led? An older man once told me this, his great wisdom. He said, there's a very simple way to know if anyone's ever be been a leader before. He says, gather everybody in the room and talk about something and says, who wants to lead this? Everyone that does this has never led. Everyone that sits on their hands, they've done something. That's the truth. So, <clears throat> it all hinges on the one. The forgiveness we've received from him. That is the hinge. Everything swings back and forth on his forgiveness to us. Everything. 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 And the shedding of his blood. That Jesus Christ shed upon the cross for something that he never did but you did. Everything hinges on that. So what is the, the foundation of forgiveness? This, I, I can share with you, not in a way to make you look at me, but this stuff, God showed me. By his grace, I'm so grateful to it. I never heard any of this taught on, or just, well, some of it, but it just began to permeate my heart. What is the foundation of forgiveness? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe on him or in him shall not perish but have eternal life for give that's the actual word is put together from those two for then who god hello yeah then the who then the why love then the object of his affection the world in between forgive for god so loved he gave and those two words actually together is how they, it's partly where forgiveness comes from. But the love of God is the foundation for forgiveness. Without the love of God, Christ would not come. Without him shedding his blood, there is no forgiveness for sin and you stay in your unredeemed state. It's the love of God. The love of God, the love of God, the God type of love that you can't have unless you have a new heart. 
That is the foundation for all forgiveness. To you, from you, in you, around you. The love of God. What is forgiveness? People think they know. Let's, I said I'm going to be basic. Right? We need to start. What's that song at the very beginning? What is forgiveness? To grant free pardon for or remission of any, say any, any offense or debt. To give up all claim, even a claim of justice. I've seen many who live with unforgiveness and bitterness and call it a desire for justice. Forgiveness is an act of the will, not of the emotions. You will never just be like, man, I feel like forgiving that guy for smacking me. I just feel like it. It's a decision you make. It's not a, a feeling you feel. It will affect your emotions down the line, but it's a decision of the world. The flesh nature, the old nature, the nature that we were born with before salvation is diametrically opposed to forgiveness. It's something of the Spirit of God, much like prayer and much like fasting. It doesn't come natural. It doesn't come natural. Forgiveness is part of God's nature. Exodus 34, verse 5 to 8. It's actually a part of His nature to forgive. And then it says, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. This is what God proclaimed about himself. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering. That means patience. When I explained to my son that patience, another word for patience means long-suffering. He said, I really don't like patience. So I said, neither do I, son. It's okay. So, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Then it says this, by no means clearing the guilty, but visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation, and everyone focuses on that. Christ hadn't come. He said, I cannot just excuse sin. I need to fix it. I need to change it. I need to remove it. So there's someone coming. True forgiveness. True forgiveness, when it's real, when it's from the heart, is a radical, radical act every time. And yet, the point is to not become a good forgiver. That may confuse you. The point is to so understand it and have it, let it work in you that you see through it so that when people are coming against you, you are no longer offended or hurt. But you can love them because you've seen through the trap. Let's look at the words for forgiveness. These are not all of them in the Bible, but the main ones. Hebrews, Hebrew word, Nassau. You know, as Isaiah 53, verse 4, describing the atonement of Christ on the cross. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That word born, Nassau. It's the word, Hebrew word for forgive in the Old Testament. Nassau means to lift up, to bear yourself, and to take away, to carry away from the person. Forgiveness will always cost someone. Someone has to bear it. Salah, to pardon. <clears throat> In the Greek, I don't know how to say those words, but the first one, afiami, I think it is. To send away, to let go, to keep it no longer. Kurizamai, or my, to grant pardon, to restore. This comes from the word charis, which is grace, which means I'm going to give you favor that I paid for, you didn't. <coughs> Excuse me. Apoleo. This is a big one. There's something, we're not going to touch it today, but there's a few places in the New Testament that says if you don't forgive others, God's not going to forgive you. And that causes a lot of confusion. What does that mean? And we'll get there. But one of the times, it's actually not in the original Greek. It's just not there. They added it. And one of the other times, it uses that word. Epileo. Meaning what? The degree to which you understand, to the degree to which you hold on to it, you will not be free like I want you to be free. To set free, to dismiss, to set at liberty. I've taken those and made a little definition here. You guys still with me? 
To send away, what does it mean to forgive? To send away anything that separates, no matter the origin or the cause. To restore the part back to the whole, <clears throat> like as in a family. Back to the one whom we previously belonged. To pay the debt in full. To remove the wage owed. To commission by giving them something from yourself. This is the meanings. As to furnish and supply them with all necessary things, including gifts. That's what the Bible means when it says forgive. Forgiveness releases unto purpose and strengthens the heart. Always. Always. The heart of the one who forgives and empowers that person, which we'll get into in the coming weeks. Unforgiveness dampens light and destroys its own vessel. Unforgiveness will destroy its own vessel. It puts a ceiling on pretty much everything you're involved in. Things that you think are not related. Oh, I don't like this guy over here and he, I haven't forgotten, but I'm very good at business. Oh, this will be affected by that, friends. Unforgiveness will put a ceiling on almost everything you're involved in. It's a poison inside of you. You know the famous statement. You can look on the internet, there's about 20 people, they say, who said it. I don't know if anyone really knows the original person. But unforgiveness is like, I drink poison and I expect you to die. It's a poison inside of you. But it creates a lens. It creates a view, specifically if that comes from authority, a person in authority, a parent, a leader. It creates a lens. And that lens starts to get you to see things and interpret things and hear things that are not there. Hello? What is that called? Deception. Unforgiveness will always cause, always cause deception, a deep deception. And until it's dealt with, it gets deeper and stronger and deeper and stronger. And the persons, you look at them wrong and they're like, oh, they hate me. There's a lens. There's a lens. Forgiveness, always, unforgiveness leads to deception. Truth sets free. So, let's actually read the Bible. Can we do that? Go to Matthew 18. We're going to go to verse 21. Now, Jesus does a little teaching on forgiveness that we'll get to, um, God willing. And, uh, but it springs a question in Peter's heart. So, we're going to kind of do it backwards. It springs this question in Peter's heart, which I love Peter because he always makes me feel like it's okay. I'm okay. But he, um, he says this. Matthew 18, 21, we'll get back to the lesson in a, in a little bit, but it says, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus said, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times, seven. So, little thing, but we have to understand it. We're going to go and understand what is he talking about as if I was a Hebrew person in that day. Is that, is that okay? Very simple. Firstly, he says up to seven times. Now, culturally, I don't know why it's different commentaries say different things, but in this day, it was generally accepted you forgive up to three times. And some people would say it comes from this refrain which goes through Amos over and over and over, you know, for three times and even four, I will not, I will not you know, send punishment away for three times and for four for three times and for four so people would forgive three times and then oh, oh now there's a problem that was in a sense in the culture so peter is now trying to be radical look how spiritual i am lord maybe maybe he adds them together i don't know but he's like seven the number of god so up to seven times the problem with the question is this within heart of the law of the Old Testament. I'm still thinking with the old nature. Tell me, with what, tell me what the new standard is and I'll meet it. But heaven forbid someone does something to me the eighth time. The heart's not right. So Peter's trying to be generous. Then Jesus says, no Peter, 70 times seven. Now what he means is there's no limit. But people have got into well, 70 times seven, what's the Hebrew? Let me just say this. We're going to go look at the Old Testament verse. It is my belief, and you don't have to agree with me, in the Hebrew New Testament, it actually says 77. In the Greek New Testament, it says 70 times 7. 
You go back to the Greek Old Testament called the Septuagint. The verse we'll read, it says 70 times 7. You go to the Hebrew, it says 77. These are Hebrew boys, men, that he's talking to. And he's referencing Genesis 4, 24. Genesis 4, 24, we see a man by the name of Lamech. Not Lamech, Noah, the guy with the ark. His father was Lamech, not that guy. Lamech of the descendancy of Cain. Cain was sent out from the presence of God. Cutting off fellowship. Sent out from the presence of God. God cursed him. We're not going to talk about that now. Obviously, it doesn't apply to us because we have a mediator, Jesus Christ. Amen. But he cursed him, set a mark on him because he said, oh, Lord, the curse is too much. He said, if anyone does anything to you, I will avenge you sevenfold. Then Lamech, this, I don't know what to call him. Not smart. He stands up and he speaks of himself in the third person, which always irritates me, but he does. He thinks he's great, obviously. Lamech stands up, Genesis 4, and says this in verse 23, chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. Those are his two wives. Imagine speaking to your wife like that. Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. Wives of Lamech, speaking about himself. Wives of Lamech, listen to my speech. For I have killed a man for wounding me. Yes, even a young man for hurting me. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. Same word. What's he talking about? Who was going to avenge Cain sevenfold? The Lord. So here's this guy. He stands up and he boasts. He says, I'm going to bring more. I'm going to be better at dealing with vengeance than the Lord God. He says, yeah, God, seven times. I don't need God. It's actually what he's saying. I will, by the strength of my own arm, I will discover justice. I will dispense justice. I have no need for God's help. I am the master of my own future. I am the creator of my own destiny. That's actually what he's saying. And he comes from the line of the person who was sent out from the presence of God in a fellowship. This only begins. Now Jesus talks about that. They would have gone, oh, Lamech. And the lesson that Jesus is talking about is forgiveness. You see, this only begins to, begins to reveal what deception, unforgiveness in a human heart will create. It puts us opposed to actually when you forgive what that does, which is what? I will let go of this claim. I could demand it. I will let it go and I will entrust myself to him who judges justly. I will entrust myself to him. I will give him my future. I will, he is my source. I will give him my destiny. My, my life is his. My, I'm in his hands. That's, every time you forgive, that's just partly what you're saying. And so Jesus points back there. Peter's like, Seven times. Me and you, God, we're like the same level of seven times. But eight times, help that person. The Lord says, no, Peter. It's more than that. The late R.C. Sproul, he died recently, but he said, and he's a student of Hebrew and Greek, and he said, Jesus essentially said this, as many times as it takes, Essentially, in their culture, he said, Peter, as many times as it takes, revealing that forgiveness has power upon the person whom you forgive. As many times as it takes, Peter, for his heart, for forgiveness to have its work in his heart and change his heart. That's what he said to Peter. So don't be like Lamech. Don't dispense your own justice. Don't be your own judge and jury. Don't create your own, I'm the master of my destiny. No, entrust yourself to him who judges justly and forgive Peter, even at your own cost, as many times as it takes until his heart changes. And then Jesus says, let me explain. I've come to bring a kingdom that you know nothing about, Peter. What's the very next sentence? Very next sentence. He says this. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like this. And he goes into this. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven... <clears throat> is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. 
Now, 10,000 talents was actually a, a, a Hebrew metaphor for the word myriad. In other words, an innumerable number. If you want to do the math, it's about 20, it's 60 million days worth of wages. Or like, I think I wrote it down, 700,000 years to earn that much money. It's equivalent in, in uh, Loudoun County median wage, about $25 billion. In other words, it's insurmountable. And he says this, and he began to settle accounts, verse 25, um, but he was not able to pay his master what he's pay. Sorry, he was not able to pay. His master commanded that this servant who couldn't pay, that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and the, um, to be sold and his children and all that he had and the payment be made, even though it wouldn't be enough. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me. I will pay you all. Now that's a lie. He's not going to live 700,000 years to earn that much money. He just wants his life back. Hello? You ever been there? Lord, I'll, I'll fix it. It's like, mm -mm, mm -mm. He says, Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. But the servant, that servant, went out and found one of his fellow servants, like another believer, who owed him a hundred denarii. It's a couple months. 25 billion to a couple months salary. Owed him a hundred denarii and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. <laughs> and he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were grieved <clears throat> and came and told their master after all he had called him and said to him, and his master, sorry, and his ma sorry, they came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay back all that was due to him. And so will my heavenly father to you do to you if you do not, if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother's trespasses, which we'll explain in the coming weeks. He says, I will pay you all. <coughs> and he won't. And he can't. And then it says, when the other fellow servant, sorry. <coughs> you know, when you have something, I swallowed water wrong. When the other fellow servant saw it, it says they were grieved. Why? Friends, how a believer sees the gospel, how a believer understands the gospel is revealed in their treatment of other people. Please hear me. The way we treat people reveals is a sign. This is my understanding of what has been done for me. It speaks very loudly. We've drunk enough from the fountain of life that Jesus offered that God offered through his son Christ to be saved and to, in a sense, quench our thirst, but not enough to become a fountain. Jesus said, I give you living water and the water you drink will become a fountain in you. Then he says, you wicked servant, the Hebrew there says this, you servant of Belial. You know what Belial is? It's the name of the devil. It's a bit more extreme. You servant of Belial. What's the point? Unforgiveness is of that kingdom. He's saying, you don't understand. This is what my kingdom is like. You've just acted like you're from another kingdom. You're a servant of Belial. It says in the book of Samuel that the sons of Eli were like the sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. So he says, you're acting like you're from there. So here is someone... This is a parable. Jesus is speaking about forgiveness, unforgiveness. Here is someone who has unforgiveness in their heart but was calling it justice. I have a legal claim. <laughs> I have a legal claim. But now he's worse off than if he had just let it go. Let it go. Just let it go. 
Friends, the church needs a reviving of the truth of what the gospel really means. Let me give you a brief little description. We are born into a debt that we cannot pay. We cannot pay. And this debt has a sentence attached to it. And that sentence has been handed down. And that sentence you are born under. And that sentence is death. The grave, hell, eternal separation from God. It's been handed down. That's the sentence. It's a storm no man can weather. It's an amount that no man can pay. We can try, as is modern truth. Surely if you put good out, good comes back. Surely God... Friends, it's a fundamental misunderstanding of what's due. Fundamental misunderstanding. You can't do it. You can't. Jesus said, be perfect. Be perfect as my heavenly Father is perfect. Have any of you ever lied? Ever committed one sin? Broken one commandment? Guilty. Guilty. The level God demands is the level of his own righteousness. Perfection. And no person could do that. No person could do that. And then the law came in the Old Testament. And the law was never brought to save you. It was meant to be a mirror, to point to you, to show you you can't do it. That's why it was given. That's what the Bible says. The only acceptable standard in the sight of God, perfection, his own level of righteousness. So Romans 3 says this, but now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed in Christ, is revealed, being witnessed. The law and the prophets, they pointed, there's something coming. Even the righteousness of God, the standard met, even the righteousness of God. How? Through faith in Jesus Christ. To all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But now being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood. Propitiation means I'm going to take upon me what you deserve, and I'm going to give you what I earned. That is good news. That's very good news. We were all on death row. Really, all on death row. It's the separation of the two kingdoms forever. And Christ came. I can do it. And legally, I can give it to you as if you did it. And then people say, you know, Luke 7, 47, he who has been forgiven much loves much. And in the modern church, that's become this understanding of, well, if a guy or a person gets saved out of a really bad past, they get radically saved and they love Jesus so much. Why? Because, you know, they, well, they were really bad and that's why they love Jesus so much. Friends, we've all been forgiven the same. The sentence of death. All of us the same. All of us. There's no difference. But to the degree that penetrates your heart, love will start to flow out of you. Sometimes you see it in these type of people because they know what they deserve. I deserve hell, friends. Stuff I've done before I was saved. But God forgave me and said, Clayton, you're free. I took it. <laughs> The vastness of what we've been forgiven is no comparison, is no comparison to the small that has been done to you. And I don't mean to downplay your trauma, abuse, or hardness, or whatever. Friends, that's what Jesus is saying. The vastness of what we've been forgiven is of no comparison as to the small that's been done to you, however big that is in your eyes. People say, I can't forgive him. I can't forgive him. You don't know what happened to me. And I want to say, I, I understand, but what about what happened to him? 
and he was innocent. The greatest tool that God gives us to teach us the power of forgiveness is to reveal to us what you've been forgiven and the penalty is taken off. It's the same for all. Think about Corrie ten Boom. Many of you know that story, the hiding place, Corrie ten Boom. She, out of the Nazi German prison uh, um, concentration camps, one day later as a great preacher traveling the world, she ran into on the street that Nazi officer who was over her prison, I think, if I remember correctly, killed her sister. And he just heard that voice. Hello, Fraulein. And all sorts of stuff welled up in her, killed the whole family. And God said to her, forgive him. She said, Lord, I can't. And God started to unfold pages of scripture. She had to work it through and she forgave him. She said it was the freedom sprung up in her heart. I let go of my claim of justice. You are free. You are free. It's much like love. We love him because he first loved us. Much the same. And let me say, this includes the forgiveness of self. Who are you not to forgive yourself? Because he forgave you. You actually spurn his cross. There's something in the nature of man that says, I need to pay, I need to, you know, it's like they want to be punished. Some people are like that. I need that, I need to like make sure that I, I've, you can't weather the storm of what's due. Jesus did it for you. You can't. To shine as a light with the light of Christ. Friends, this includes partnership, signs and wonders, authority, all the tools we've been given. To shine as a light, we must forgive as Christ forgave. And I don't say must as a South African. That's what Colossians 3 says, which we'll get into. Forgiveness, true and real forgiveness crosses all language. Cultural, racial, political, age, national barriers. It can overcome any obstacle, destroy any darkness. Any. Do we have time to go through some more? You guys alive? Spiritual realities of forgiveness and unforgiveness. I'm not going to get through these. Obviously, I will try cover one. There are certain things that happen in the spiritual realm with forgiveness and unforgiveness. They are realities. They take place there. There's a few. I've listed some, but there's more. We'll get into them in the coming weeks. Spiritual authority. Choosing what you reproduce. How to actually inherit breakthrough. Literally not fight for something that someone else has fought for. It all comes through forgiveness, which I'll explain. But let's touch spiritual authority. I'm going to go a little quicker. Is that okay? Forgiveness and unforgiveness has a great impact on the practical use of your spiritual authority. My dad just covered it. Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me. I give it to you. Go. I give you authority. Well, the use of that authority is greatly impacted by forgiveness and unforgiveness in your heart. Greatly impacted. Let's read it. Let's actually read the Bible. Matthew 18, verse 17. Moreover, <coughs> sorry, Matthew 18, verse 15. Moreover, this is now the lesson that Jesus teaches when, that causes Peter to ask the question. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, and let me just say sins, not offends you. The word there is sins, hamartano. Earlier on when it says, whoever causes one of these little ones to believe in me for sin, uh, to sin, that is scandaliso, scandalon. That means offended. But this is sin. This is not someone... They didn't smile at you right, and so I'm going to go tell them. You are just mean. No, just get over yourself and get over that and move on. You know? Hello? We can still be friends? Get over what I just did. Just get over it. You will be fine. So, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses to even hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. That was cut off from fellowship. 
Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We know what that means. It means whatever has been bound in heaven in terms of what Jesus came to do, you will have authority to bind here on the earth. Whatever has been loosed in, heavens, in heaven, you will have authority to loose on the earth. Again, I say to you that of two or three, sorry, if two of you agree on earth, say on earth, on earth, there's a divine link. Concerning anything that they ask, obviously with what's been bound and loosed and done in heaven, anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Jesus is speaking about forgiveness and then makes three stunning statements, bind and loose, where two are gathered, there I am in the midst of them, where two agree. Those three verses are all very famous and they actually all come together. Everyone says that, well, where two or three are gathered, let's pray. Uh, they don't realize the context, forgiveness. And that causes Peter to say, well, how many times should I forgive? And Jesus goes into a parable on forgiveness. Now, the way that that's sometimes taught and the way that that's sometimes done, and some of you have lived through this, and I'm sorry if you have, has caused so many problems. Because they say, if anyone sins against you, go tell him. You know? And so now there's a line out my door. Do you know what you made me feel? And, and the next, and the next, and the next. That is not the heart of this text at all. Who's been there? It's caused problems. Be honest. No one, just me? Okay, the Lord, I forgive you. So, <laughs> it actually refers back to Deuteronomy 19, Everything is established by the mouth of two or three witnesses. That is now going back to the law of the Old Testament and it was something concerning a Jewish court, a Sanhedrin. Meaning I have something, actually I have prosecutable evidence that I can lay against you. I have a claim of justice. I can prove it. I have evidence. But I don't want to do that. So I come to you and say I don't want to do this. Let's make peace. Oh, that's a whole, whole different thing of, well, you hurt me. That's not the heart. And it was something severe enough to cause him to be cut off according to the law. Fellowship gone. No more meals. Not allowed to worship with them. Eat with them. Nothing. It was severe. But then it says this. Between you and him, go tell him his fault. Between you and him and everybody else, no. Go and tell him his fault, alone. Say alone. alone. Oh, people just did that. In 2 Corinthians chapter two, I wish I had time to go into this. I'm gonna go a little bit more. Are you guys still with me? In 2 Corinthians chapter two, in 1 Corinthians 5, this man sleeps with his mother-in-law. People are like, oh, well, it happened in the Bible. But not just that. He was celebrating it, saying, this is wonderful, this is good. So there's a process of church discipline. He gets removed. He repents. He's under much sorrow, etc., which we won't get into now. Now Paul's writing about this guy, and he says this. Now whom you forgive, anything I forgive. For indeed, if I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sake. He's talking about this, what's he saying? It's almost like Paul is so understanding of forgiveness. He so understands its power, unforgiveness and forgiveness. He says, I don't even know what he did. If you forgive him, I forgive him. And then he says, and if you don't, I have forgiven him anyway in the presence of Christ for your sake. Because I don't want you being destroyed as a body by unforgiveness. I forgive him. Because there's been repentance. He's dealt with it. We'll go into more our details later. And then he says this, lest Satan should take advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. Which of your Bibles say schemes? You know what that word means? It's the word for mind. And I know I've taught this before, but we need to hear it. It's the word for mind. It means mental perception, thought, the mind which proposes. What's Paul saying? What's the Holy Spirit saying? Don't think like the devil. When you hold unforgiveness in, you're thinking like him. 
I don't want you to think like him. We are not ignorant of how he thinks and what destruction that causes. Just like the parable, you servants of Belial, same thing. You're thinking with the wrong kingdom because it always causes destruction. Forgiveness, if it's real, will always create more forgiveness. The one you forgive, I forgive. Always. Offense will always create more offense. Always. It's not maybe. <laughs> it will. Until it hits a person with truth in their heart, shored up and strong. And then it'll stop there. Forgiveness begets forgiveness. Offense begets offense. I love this proverb, 26, 17. He who passes by and meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a dog by the ears. So go home. Don't do this. You pick up a dog by its two ears. It's not just going to hang there like you have a mental picture. It's going to... And so you're going to hold it tight. Now you've got a problem. Now you've got a problem. What? Well, I have some choices. I can put it down. If I put it down, it's going it's to bite me. It's going to cause pain. But if I don't put it down and if I choose to hang on to it, well, now I can't do anything. That's what happens in the kingdom of God. All the progress of the kingdom of God stops in a person's life, in a family, in a company, in a church. When people have gone and taken up someone else's offense, that they probably have a lens on that other person. Friends, I, I see this so often in what I do. More than you would like to know. Often. Lenses hurt. They create. Now they go tell. And so now you've got a person holding a dog. Now what? So we go to a prayer meeting with our little dogs. Lord, breakthrough. He says, son, you've tied my hands. Your hands are occupied. You can't do anything. Oh, Lord, send breakthrough, send revival. And we go home with our dog. Hello? Yeah. That's what Jesus said. He said, when you come to the altar with your gift, in other words, you're offering a sacrifice, you come to the altar, Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my life as a sacrifice. You come to the altar with a sacrifice and there remember that you have something against someone else. Leave your gift there and go sort it out. In other words, don't come to God holding a dog. You've got some choices. If I now, you pick up in a second-hand offense, to put it down will now hurt you. It will cause you pain. Or you hold on to it and all progress stops because your hands are occupied. The third option is don't pick it up. To anyone who actually understands what this is talking about, when someone comes to you and says, did you know you should run? La, 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 la. Seriously. Run. I don't want to get bitten. I don't want to be caused pain. <laughs> Go to him alone. Alone. Friends, if we just did that, oh, <laughs> alone. To protect them, to protect you. This is what happens, unfortunately, instead. You wouldn't believe what Katie did to me. You wouldn't believe what she did to me. I thought, surely not, but actually, it's true, she did do it to me. Oh, really? Yeah. What are you going to do about it? No, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to forgive her. I'm not going to do anything. Oh, you've already done something. And then, yeah, you know... I was looking at her the other day. I'm quite prophetic, you know. And I was just thinking, mm, there's something not so right there. I think, I must have been right. Oh, boy. Hello. Never you guys. Never you guys. Everybody else. I mean, all the while, friends, in reality, the enemy smiles broadly. Why? Because he knows when that happens, that group of people have just been removed as a threat off of his radar. Because their spiritual authority and the expression thereof is stripped. 
because he can sow discord and division and a kingdom divided cannot stand. And they're thinking like the servant of Belial. They're agreeing. They're bringing agreement to the wrong kingdom. Now then, obviously, it goes into something more serious about a church discipline process, which we will get into. But then Jesus throws out these stunning statements. Whatever you bind and loose, the expression of the authority, I'm about to win a battle that no man can win, pay a debt that is, that is due, that you cannot conquer. I'm going to give you authority, keys. And they would have thought, well, they wouldn't have thought, well, two chapters ago, because it wasn't written. In Matthew 16, the only other time Jesus uses the word church, and it's also the only other time he used that scripture, whatever you bind in, on earth and bound in heaven, same scripture. He used the word church twice, and straight away it follows that scripture. Saying about, they said, oh, he just mentioned that to us, something about he's going to give us keys and, and, and something about the, the gates of hell won't prevail against it. He just, he just kind of said that. Well, Matthew 16 is talking about global church. Matthew 18, local church. And so he says, listen, guys. <laughs> Essentially, and I, I could go into all the why and the Greek. and the, He's saying this. Because then he goes into a parable on forgiveness. He's saying, guys, <laughs> the impact or the usage of the authority that I'm about to deliver unto you is linked, it's affected by how you treat one another. It's a great spiritual key. He's telling them, I'm about to give you keys, but it's actually my partnership with you. Let me, let me tell you, this is what my kingdom's like, Peter. Was up to seven times? What's the new standard? No, 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 Peter. That comes from Deuteronomy 19. And you know what else it says in Deuteronomy 19, Peter? Remember, a life for a life, a hand for a hand, a foot for a foot, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But Peter, I've come to bring another whole kingdom where I've come to pay my life for your life, my hand for your hand, my foot for your foot. I've come to settle accounts. It's all changing, Peter. I'm coming to give you authority. It, just keep forgiving until it does its work in their heart because it's tied to the keys I'm about to give you. So you come and you pray and you pray and you pray and then you go slander and slander and gossip. And he says, no, Peter, it's, it's more than that. I'm bringing a new kingdom. And we don't think like that here. We see through the enemy's trap. And it's a trap every time. And it will poison you and it will hurt you. Let it go, Peter. Forgive because I'm forgiving you something you cannot pay. That's what he's saying. If two agree on earth, the word agree is symphonia, symphony. He said, I'm longing for a group of people to arise who can see the enemy's trap. That's why friends, and you may not like this, and I'll have to end with a statement. We have this view of bad sin and good sin. This person just had this one event where they did this terrible thing. That is less to me than people gossiping. I have a conversation with every staff member I hire. Because we have a process of interviews and, and the elders and they interview them and that's about work ethic and skill and get, that's all great. I sit with them 15, 20 minutes max, and I ask them three questions. <laughs> That's all I do. I say, if you want to come work here, we will love you. We will work with you. We, we're so grateful. If you cannot see a person behind the scenes, not just us, the leaders, but other people, see something that you didn't know about them before and have your opinion not changed, you can't work here because you will see things about people that you didn't know. <laughs> if you gossip or slander, you're gone. Because I will not, I will not create a culture that partners with his thinking. Will not do it. It's a big deal in the kingdom. It's a big deal in the kingdom. Don't go to God holding a dog. I encourage you. 
even if it is at personal cost to you. That doesn't mean, which I now have to cover in more detail because I've probably left you with questions. You should always be able to go to leaders. If you're struggling with a person, you should be able to go to them. One of, for me, one of the, I don't want to say qualifications, one of the marks of a genuine leader is they're not affected by what they know of people because they have the Lord's eyes. So you can go to them and you should be able to do that to create safety. Safety. We're going to look at forgiveness. We're going to get into this. Your life may be turned a little bit upside down. Your relationships, mm, mm. Friends, it's so important. Amen? Why don't we stand? The music is fine. You can keep it on. Just going to thank you for coming. Uh, if you're watching online, thank you for joining us online. And if it's your first time here or your first couple times here, uh, we, we just love having you. If you'd like prayer for anything, come on over. There'll be a ministry team. Uh,